have your Bibles, if you'll please turn to them to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, if you need a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you, and it, this passage can be found on page 911. Again, urgency here. Uh, we are in a sermon series leading up to our fifth anniversary celebration, studying through our, the vision and values of our church what we value most here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. And so here we're going to read this passage in Acts 2, 42 through 47, but this morning we're going to be focused on this biblical value of discipleship. This is God's holy word to us this morning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple court together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And Jesus said, we'll take the things from you, O God, and make them known to us. So make them known to us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The author, Donald Miller, wrote a book about 15 years ago that was very, very popular called Blue Like Jazz. Very interesting name for a book. Donald Miller has said a ton of things that I completely disagree with, but he tells a story in that book that I wanted to share with you that I think illustrates um, what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, He heard this story at a concert he attended one time. He says this story was about his friend who was a a Navy SEAL. He told it like it was true, so I I guess it was true, although it could have been a lie. The the folk singer at this concert said his friend was performing a, a covert operation, freeing hostages from a building in some dark part of the world. His friend's team flew in by helicopter, made their way to the compound, stormed into the room where the hostages had been imprisoned for months. The room, the folk singer said, was filthy and and dark. The hostages were curled up in a corner, terrified. When the seals entered the room, they heard the gasp of the hostages. They stood at the door and called to the prisoners, telling them they were Americans. The seals asked the hostages to follow them, but the hostages wouldn't. They sat there on the floor and they hid their eyes in fear. They were not of healthy mind, and they didn't believe that their rescuers were really Americans there to save them. The still still stood there, not knowing what to do. They couldn't possibly carry every one of them out. One of the seals, the folk singer's friend, got an idea. He put down his weapon, took off his helmet, and he curled up tightly next to the other hostages. Getting so close, his body was touching some of theirs. He softened the look on his face. 
and he put his arms around them. He was trying to show them that he was one of them. None of the prison guards would have done this. They stayed there for a little while until some of the hostages started to look at him, finally meeting his eyes. The Navy SEAL whispered that they were American and were there to rescue them. Will you follow us, he said. The hero stood up to his feet, and one of the hostages did the same, then another, until all of them were willing to go. The story ends with all the hostages safe on an American aircraft carrier. Miller goes on to say, I never liked it when preachers said we had to follow Jesus. Sometimes they would make him sound angry. But I like the story the folk singer told. I like the idea of Jesus becoming a man so that, he would be, so that we would be able to trust him. And I like that he healed people and loved them and cared deeply about how people were feeling. When I understood that the decision to follow Jesus was very much like the decision the hostages had to make their decision to follow the rescuer, I knew that what I needed to decide was whether or not I would follow him The decision was a simple one, I asked myself. Is Jesus the Son of God? Are we being held captive in a world run by Satan, a world filled with brokenness? Do I believe Jesus can rescue me from this condition? I think this story is just a helpful illustration that helps us think about what discipleship looks like, what it means when Jesus says, follow me, follow me. And so as we continue our our study through the vision and values here at Cornerstone on what is a healthy church, and Acts 2, uh, 42 through 47 are helping us with that. Uh, Last week we looked at the first value of worship, this week discipleship, next we'll look at care and missions and outreach. This morning let's focus on discipleship, following Jesus. Uh, Most notably here, this passage in Acts 2.42 has something to say about discipleship when it says that the early disciples, this early church here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It was Jesus himself who said he would build his church on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, his New Testament followers, and that, that their writings, their stories, their time with Jesus, and their letters that they would later send to the church, the holy scriptures are, are to be learned and interpreted and applied in, in order to help us grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so very important for us to, to see here that in the, in the DNA code of the early church, they were a learning church. They believe that a a follower of Jesus Christ is a learner. A a faithful church is is a learning church. And if you are a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, then you are a disciple. You are called to grow in your faith. And so let's, let's explore this biblical value of discipleship by asking a few questions. First, what is a disciple? Second, what is discipleship? And third, how is discipleship in the local church connected? Let's look at these things. What is a disciple? Well, the first Christians were actually not called Christians. They were called disciples of Jesus. It was later that folks were kind of making fun of the, uh, the Christians. They were calling them, oh, those little Christ, those little Christ followers. And it was a derogatory term, and 
like all good Christians, we take those derogatory terms and make them good. <laughs> yes, that's what we are. We're a little Christ. We're, we're Christians. And so, but sometimes we, we get confused about this. Is there a difference between a disciple and a Christian? Well, not according to the Bible. In the New Testament alone, the word disciple is used around 200 times to describe those who followed Jesus, especially while he was here on earth. And so what is a disciple? It's not necessarily a term that we would say that is devoted directly to a Christian because a disciple is one who is devoted to learning the ways and following the example of a teacher or a master. Okay, so a disciple is someone who follows another. So what does it mean, though, to be a disciple of Jesus? Because that's what we're talking about here today. Who is a disciple of Jesus? I love the way Pastor Steve, Stephen Smallman defines it. He says that a disciple of Jesus is a person who has heard the call of Jesus and has responded by repenting believing the gospel, and following him. That's what a disciple of Jesus is. Someone who's heard the call of the gospel and responded by repenting, turn away from their sins, believing the gospel, believing the good news that Christ has come to save them from their sins, and then following him. So simply put, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Someone who follows Jesus, his ways, his teaching. Now, unfortunately, some people call themselves Christians because they go to church or their parents were Christians or they go to a Christian school or they do Christian things. But according to the Bible, being a Christian means something. It means, as we just defined, that you've repented, that you've turned away from your sins, that you've believed something. You believe that Jesus is the Savior, that he's the Christ that can save you from your sins, and that you are following him, that he is your Lord. This is actually what the first three questions that we ask new members delineates. Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe Jesus is the only way? Do you promise to follow him as your Lord? That's what being a disciple is. So to be a Christian means that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you you seek to live your life to follow his ways and his teachings. He is your master. A disciple believes the gospel, the good news. Not just one time, but every day, in a sense, feeding on this good news. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus has come to bring salvation to all men and women. Because we are condemned in our sin and we have no hope save in God's sovereign mercy. Jesus said, as we read in Mark chapter 1 earlier, that we are called to repent. Repent, he says, for the kingdom of God is near. He, Jesus is coming to bring salvation. And so he's calling others to follow him and to believe in him, to put their faith in him, who is the Son of God, the Savior, the King. So a disciple hears this call of Jesus and follows him. I always find it fascinating in the gospel accounts of these early, earlier followers of Jesus. You know, the gospel accounts, these are, these are eyewitness accounts given by the, the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're, 
from their perspective, the Holy Spirit of God is, 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 is inspiring them to write these, these true scriptural accounts. And they don't give us every single detail, but they, they go up to fishermen and, and tax collectors, Jesus does. And he just looks at them and says, follow me. So did they have any prior experience with Jesus? Did they go to one of his concerts or one of his, one of his rallies? Did they, did they see him doing the healing? And, and you know, what was going on there? We don't, we don't know, but we can, we can guess that they had known that he was, he was powerful. He was a great teacher. And they were willing to leave their livelihoods behind to follow him. And the key word that is repeated over and over in the scriptures, Matthew and Mark say this, that they immediately did this. They didn't say, well, let me go talk to my financial advisor and get all this squared away before I follow you, Jesus. Uh, Let me go raise support or let me go get my parents' permission. They, They followed him immediately. It's got me thinking. And I want to ask you this, has Jesus called you? Is he calling you to follow him? Is he calling you to follow him? Because believing in Jesus means that you are his disciple and that you do follow him. Because that's what he commanded his first followers, to to go and make disciples, to go make other followers, follow him and, and bring other followers along. And so following him means that he... You, you personally have submitted to him, that he's your master, that he's your king, that you, you will do whatever he asks you to do. And many of you, many of us can testify to hard things that Jesus has called us to, to do in following him. But the way that you, you personally follow him, the way that you, for yourself, Men and women, children, all of you, that you engage in this, in this following Jesus Christ is through what we call discipleship. So that's the second thing. What is discipleship? Discipleship is not a distinct category or activity that's just within the local church. A lot of times we hear that word discipleship, we think of a program, you know, a program at the church. It's something we do. But in the Bible, discipleship is synonymous with Christian living. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be a follower of Jesus and engage in discipleship. To be a Christian is to be a disciple. To be involved in discipleship. To be a practicing Christian means you are doing things to to grow in your followership of of Jesus Christ. What he has taught. What he has said. So where do we learn about being a disciple of Jesus? A follower of Jesus? Well, this is where the scriptures come into play. This is where... The early church here, being devoted to the apostles' teaching specifically. So to be involved in discipleship means that you intentionally do things and participate in things that help you to know Jesus and to follow him. And that's why for these past several weeks, we've been kind of trumpeting these things, these simple means of grace. It's not rocket science, right? It's, and by the way, I went to Panambula yesterday and I got taught some rocket science and it's, it's hard. Um, <laughs> somebody has to explain this to me I learned yesterday things like prayer Bible study involvement in the local church serving others these are the ways these are the things that God has ordained to help you 
and me follow Christ as his disciple. So being a disciple of Jesus means we seek to follow him in this sinful world where it's very hard. It's very hard to be a disciple of Jesus. Think about all the ways we're being pulled, all, all the things that you're involved in, all, all of the distractions, all the satanic attacks that happened for you just to get to church this morning, you know? I mean, you had to do an exorcism in your minivan before you got into it. You know? It's hard to be a follower of Jesus. It's hard to be a faithful Christian when all these things are pulling at us. So what do we do? How do we, how do we practice discipleship in this present time? What, where do we go? What things has God ordained to help us follow Jesus as his disciple in this world, in our lives? There's a great story in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Put that on your summer reading list if you hadn't. Um, right now I'm reading it to some of my children, and there's this wonderful illustration of discipleship. As the man Christian, who is the pilgrim, who's on his way to the celestial city, and on this journey he comes to the house of the Lord of the Hill. And there at the house of the Lord of the Hill, there are three men that he meets whose job is to have conversation with him and kind of encourage him and help him on his way. These three men, are, they're, they're, all their names are allegorical. These three men are named Piety, Prudence, and Charity. I guess they don't have to be men, but we'll call them men. Never met a man named Charity. Piety, Prudence, and Charity. And their job was to talk with Christian and encourage him on his pilgrimage. And at one point, Christian is talking with Prudence about his journey basically describing to him kind of what it's like trying to follow Jesus on his pilgrimage. And Prudence asked him some questions. He asked him this, and this is kind of old English that I'm going to have to interpret for you. I have to interpret it for myself. Prudence says, when you experience these precious times in which carnal annoyances are vanquished, In other words, when you experience these times where you're able to have some victory over sin and temptation in your life, can you remember by what means these triumphs were obtained? In other words, prudence is trying to get him to think, hey, hey, Christian, when you're dealing with sin and temptation in this fallen world, when you're tempted to get off the way, when when discipleship gets hard, you know, what what are the things that you have done that you do to, to stay on the way to follow Jesus? Christian answers, yes, I know, I remember. When I meditate upon what I saw at the cross, that will do it. And when I look at my embroidered coat, he was given a new coat, a new beautiful coat of righteousness, and his his rags were thrown off. And he says, "When when I look at this embroidered coat, that will do it. Also, When I look inside the scroll that I carry in my chest pocket, that will do it. That's his Bible. And when my thoughts are warmly stimulated about where I'm going, that will do it. Prudence asks, and what is it that makes you so desirous of going to Mount Zion? Christian answers, where there I hope to see living He who hung dead on the cross. 
And there I hope to be rid of all those things within me that remain a constant annoyance. That is sin and temptation. So in other words, for Christian, thinking about Jesus and seeing Christ's righteousness and clinging to the scriptures and this hope of being with Christ one day in glory, these are the things that helped Christian live the life to stay on the way. Are they not the same with us? Are they not the things that we too should be encouraging each other in in this call to discipleship? That we follow Jesus by devoting ourselves to these things that God has promised to help us on the way. Things like the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. These wonderful means of grace that we meditate upon, that we look to, that, we, that help us follow Jesus. Well, how is discipleship in the local church connected? That's the third thing. Because being a disciple of Jesus means, yes, you follow him personally. It's something that each and every one of us are to respond to. We are to follow Jesus with our whole lives, loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But it also means, being a disciple, that you're called to be a part of a community of believers, a fellowship of disciples. This is where the local church becomes important. This is what sets the local church apart from any organization or institution that has ever existed or will exist. Because the local church is where God has ordained that we become and learn to live as followers of Jesus Christ. And we do it in community. We do it with each other. We need each other. The local church is this community of Christians, disciples of Jesus, committed to following him and, and to living for him. Okay, so we all, we all love to be a part of a team or, or a group, right, and cheer one another over, cheer one another on. Is that not where the local church comes in? To help us, to help us along the way, to, to point us, to have other brothers and sisters point us to Christ, to help us learn about him. And that's why it's absolutely critical that you be a part of a local church, a community of disciples, where we can learn to follow Jesus alongside others. But I must just say here, and this is important, there's no such thing as a perfect church. I've been a part of several of them. I know you have. And it's easy for us to just say, well, I don't want to go there because the church is full of hypocrites. Or there's others that you've invited to church say, I don't go to church anymore because it's a bunch of hypocrites. And when someone says something to you like that, you say, you're absolutely right. My church is full of hypocrites. And the reason is, is because it's full of sinners. Sinners who need Jesus. Who need to be shown their hypocritical nature. And who are seeking to follow him. And that's why, again, we need each other. That's why the church helps us in this struggle to follow him and live for him every day. Let's think about that for a minute. As we think about this core value for Cornerstone of discipleship, how does the local church help you grow as a disciple? The church is where you publicly confess faith in Jesus Christ. The church is where things like baptism and communion take place, these very 
specific, these very unique, these very distinct things that Christ has given to his church that are to be stewarded by the leadership of the church, the elders, the pastors, to show these visible, these very public signs that we belong to Jesus. The local church is where we do this. The local church is where you find spiritual support and nourishment through these means of grace that we've been talking about, the words, the sacraments, the disciplines, prayer, fellowship. Again, where we take place in this meal, this this Lord's Supper that Jesus gave us, this means by which we reflect on the spiritual life that Jesus gives us. We need the local church for this. This is where sports teams and clubs and in and, and our neighborhoods cannot do what the local church can do. That is why things like Sunday school, vacation Bible school, small group Bible study, all these things are devoted to discipleship to help us know and follow Jesus as his disciple. And so I'll just ask you, are, are, are you plugged into discipleship? Are you growing as a follower of Jesus? And if you feel like you're deficient in some way in that area, let us help you. Come talk to me, Pastor Russ, one of the elders. would love to help get you connected. The church is where you enter into covenant relationship with God and his people. One of the most important things that the New Testament teaches us is that placing yourself under biblical authority It's absolutely crucial to your spiritual well-being. Brothers and sisters, that's something I missed for a long time. I didn't see that as God's will for my life, that it's actually a good thing, that I am in submission to, to elders, that God has ordained to be in charge of my spiritual well-being, where if I'm like Christian and Pilgrim's Progress, get off the way, there's somebody there to help course correct me. We need the local church for that. In other words, we all need to submit ourselves to a God-ordained group of elders who are charged and tasked by God, who've made covenant vows for overseeing your spiritual well-being, your discipleship. The elders here at this church, they've promised to do that for you. Have you promised in turn to be a part of that? Love to talk to you about church membership. The church is home base for serving others. I think the church is the best place to practice loving our neighbors. And this is also, right, fundamental to discipleship, loving others, loving God and loving others, showing compassion in Jesus' name toward those in need. The, The local church is where we help learn to serve one another, to love one another, to, 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 to help one another. So incredible this past week for me to witness how this body, this local body of Christ, served the Thompson family. It was a beautiful picture of the body of Christ coming alongside a family in great need. And I hope that we get to do that for more, to be, to be the love of Christ, not only here but out through missions. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. The church is where is a great place to raise a family in Christ. We'll talk about that for a minute. When we repent and believe the gospel and follow Jesus, it 
impacts our whole lives, every area. This is especially true in our family lives. Once you are a follower of Jesus Christ, young people, listen up. You want to marry another follower of Jesus Christ. You want to marry a man or a woman who loves Jesus more than you. The church is a great place to help with that. Because the church is where we meet other believers and other families that, again, help us follow Jesus. Because the church disciples individuals and families. The most important thing to realize in all of this is in the Christian life is meant to be done with others. The, the Christianity, there's a withness to it. We follow Christ with others. Jesus had multiple followers. We are in fellowship together. We do this together. Because God has made us for community. He's made us to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ to spur us on to love and to good deeds. And we need this. I need some, several of you teaching my children, helping me point them to Jesus, showing them the, the foundations of the faith, growing in Christ. And I'm so thankful that God has given us Cornerstone to help us live the Christian life together as a church family. So the goal of the Christian life is this. The, the goal of being a follower of Christ, his disciple, is to become a mature and equipped follower of Christ. We want to keep growing. The local church is the best place for this to happen. It's not the only place, but it's the best place. And at Cornerstone, we want everything to be designed to help you grow and mature as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that, and that's why things like the preaching and teaching of God's word is going to be first and foremost and foundational here. May God help us to always keep that of first importance. Sunday school is going to be important. Sunday school was started very, very early at, at, at Cornerstone. And you know what all the experts said? Don't do it. You'll kill your church. <laughs> it won't grow. And it's yet at the backbone of what we do because we want to learn and to grow together. Women's Bible study. There are some opportunities this summer for women to grow. Men's small group Bible study. We have retreats. We have mission trips. We have opportunities to serve together. We have people that are so good at bringing meals to others uh, in need. All of these things are important to the local body of Christ. And so where might God be calling you to grow? Where might God be calling you to serve? How can the church help you become a mature and equipped follower of Jesus Christ? This is what we're about here. This is what we value. This is what God has called us to do. Our Lord has said, we read at the beginning of the service, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Abiding in Christ, abiding in his word, that's how we follow him. And so may God help us to be a faithful community of disciples devoted to him and devoted to our growth and maturity in Christ, becoming more and more like him every single day. Let's pray. Father, our prayer this morning, 
It should be our prayer every day. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to follow him. Help us to live as he has called us to live. Help us to abide in him. Lord, help us to value the things that you value. In our discipleship, following Jesus is of first importance. And so, Lord, help us to see where we need to make room to grow in Christ. Help us to see ways that we need to grow by by serving others, by showing love in, in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to love the things that you love. Help us to abide in Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.